Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. When you walked in, you should have gotten a bulletin. If you didn't get one, would you raise your hand and uh, they'll bring one to you. You'll need one today. Believe me, I know some of you, you, you have very good memory and you don't like a bulletin. But believe me, you'll need one today. Amen. I want to start with a little bit of humor. We ran out. Okay, we ran out. So we're going to start making more or you got to start showing up early or both. Amen. <laughs> I want to start with a little bit of humor. If this is your first time, my name is Nestor Flores, and I'm the pastor of Dayspring. And uh, I always like to start with a little bit of humor because healthy families laugh. Now, this is an old joke. If you're a church person, you probably already know this joke. But any time I talk about prayer, I got to tell this joke because it's a good joke, okay? So if you know it, don't blow it for your neighbor, okay? It says that an old Christian lady lived in an apartment And next to her apartment lived an atheist. And this old lady was a prayer warrior. She loved to pray. And she was one of those old ladies that didn't pray quietly. She prayed out loud. She wanted people to know that she believed in God. Well, her atheist neighbor next to her, because of the paper walls between them, he would hear everything she would pray about, and she would mock her. She would laugh at her. She, he would ask her to just shut up and, and to stop believing those, those uh, false lies. Well, in one occasion, this old lady hit a hard spot in her life, and she was having a hard time making it through, and she didn't even have money for groceries. So she did what she knew best to do, what she always did in a time of need, and that was to pray. And she began to pray out loud, Lord, you know my situation. You know that I have no food in my fridge, and I got no money to pay my bills. But Lord, if you would just fill my fridge with groceries, oh, I would be the happiest woman. I believe that you can do that. Well, the atheist neighbor heard her prayer, and he thought of playing a joke on her. So he went to the store and bought a bunch of groceries, brought them, and left them at the front door of her her door, rang the doorbell, and then went to go hide in the near bush. The old lady came out and saw the groceries, and she began to praise the Lord. God, you are so good. You're so amazing. And as she was praising, the atheist came out, and she said, ha, ha, ha. It was in God who provided it. It was me who did it. And when she heard that, she began to praise God even louder because she said, I knew God would provide it, but I didn't know he would make the devil pay for it. The power of prayer, amen? Let's go before the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence in this place. I want to take a few seconds to acknowledge that our faith is not phony. Our faith is not man-made. Our faith is not a tradition. Our faith is not a routine. And Lord, I know that because of what I see. I see lives transformed. Individuals who were captive to an addiction who now are free. 
marriages, Lord, who are at the brink of destruction and now, Lord, they enjoy their relationship. People, Lord, who were destroyed internally and you have come to make them new. So we know you're alive. We know you are real. And we know that your word is powerful. So Lord, more than just an auditory presentation, may we receive the living word, the bread of life, to nourish, transform, and feed our souls. I thank you for every person. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Last week, we began a a campaign that we're going to be doing for the remaining of the year called Rebuilding Our Lives. And we talked about how Israel, after returning from exile in Babylon, they had been for 70 years, they had been in exile. And when they finally returned to Jerusalem, they didn't return to normal. They didn't return to pick up where they had left off. And and I think that as weeks go by, we are hopeful that we are overcoming this pandemic, that we are going to be returning to normal, which I said last week week I don't think it's going to be possible to return to normal too much has has changed we have lost too much things that that we wanted to enjoy have been taken away from us and that because in light of that that we could take a page from the Israelites who didn't return to expecting things to be normal before they were taken into exile but that they returned into a rebuilding period They returned and they knew that they had to rebuild. Now, you got to remember this. This pandemic has been about a year long. The people of God were in exile for 70 years. And they return and they don't return and say, all right, well, let's just pick up to where we left off. No, they return to rebuild and they rebuild four things. They rebuilt the altar. They rebuilt the temple. They rebuilt the walls and they rebuilt a spiritual awakening for the word of God. And it's so amazing that in the middle of this rebuilding process, God gives them a prophetic word. God gives them a word to encourage them. God gives them a word that, 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 that paints a picture for them to continue and not give up. And look at what he says in Haggai chapter 2 verse 9. If you have your bulletin, open it up. Inside there's an outline and you can follow along with me. If you didn't get an outline... Download the Bible app. I love that app. You can also use that. Look at what Haggai 2.9 says. This is what God tells his people in the middle of this rebuilding process. It's a prophetic word. He says the future glory of this temple will be greater than its past glory, says the Lord of the heavens armies. Now remember this. Solomon's temple had been a beauty. Solomon had built a wonderful thing. And now they come back and everything is in ruins. And God says to them, hey, what I'm going to do next is going to be more glorious than what you experienced in the past. And church, I want to tell you that I believe with all my heart that that is the same prophetic word that God wants to give to us today. That what God has ahead is more glorious than what is in our past. That he wants to take us from glory to glory to glory. That the best for us is not in our past, but it is in our future. And let me tell you, he's already began to do it. 
I anticipate that during this campaign, we're going to see a powerful move from God. We're going to see the gifts of the Holy Spirit get activated. We're going to see miracles. We're going to see great things happen because the glory that God has for us ahead is better than the glory that we've experienced in the past. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? If you believe that, would you tell somebody, would you tell them, hey, we got greater glory ahead of us. Come on. Would you tell somebody? You know, during this, during this campaign, we're going to have a revival weekend. We're going to do a three-day revival weekend. We're going to pray for healing. We're going to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're going to seek God. We're going to have worship nights. This past week, we took a few days to, to go with the worship team on a retreat. We wanted to be able to thank them for the way they helped us record during the pandemic. It was so much work, and they were so good. But we also wanted to take some time to just be in the presence of God. And, and we took a few days, and let me tell you, we had a glorious time. We went to sleep late. Well, they did. I'm kind of old, so by 12 o'clock, I was already in bed. But they were at 2, 3 in the morning worshiping. And let me tell you, we're going to bring that home. And we're going to have home worship parties. And I'm going to start with my house, and I'm hoping that other people will open it up. And on weekends, we'll get together and just, just say, God, would you come meet us here? And we're going to see the glory of God move in our church. Do you believe that? So as we endeavor in this rebuilding season in our lives, the first thing that the Israelites rebuild that we need to rebuild as well is the altars. And that is why today I'm starting a series called Altars That Bless. Look at what Ezra 3, 1 and 2 tells us about the, the Israelites as they return from exile. It says, then, then Joshua and Zerubbabel began to build the altar of the God of Israel. Altars are mentioned more than 400 times in the Bible. They're very significant. We've built one here today as an illustration. We wanted you to know what they were like. You don't need to build one at home, please. It's idolatry. Don't build one at home. Okay, we wanted to build one as an illustration. Uh, I'm tempted to sacrifice a few people up there. No, no, we're not going to do anything like that. But we wanted you to see them. And, and, and just, you know, there's so much information. Um, but, but let me give you just a little bit uh, information about the altars. The thing about the altars is that they were supposed to be simple to build. And, you, and I'll tell you the three reasons, the three purposes for altars in just a minute. But they were to be simple. They were to be made of uncut stones. In other words, they couldn't shape the stones. In other words, God made it so that you could take whatever was around you and acknowledge his presence. And that is true of us still today. Altars are events, they're places, they're occasions where we acknowledge, where we just recognize the presence of God in our lives. Yes. Look at what Exodus 20, 24 says. Here's the Lord speaking and he says, Build for me an altar made of earth and offer your sacrifices to me. Your burnt offerings and peace offerings, your sheep and goat and your cattle. Build my altar, listen to this, this is, this is key. Build my altar wherever I cause my name to be what? Remembered. And look at this last part, this is wonderful. And I will come to you and what? Bless you. Bless you. 
See, in the Old Testament, the altars were physical. In our days, they don't have to be their occasions, their moments, their places. Sundays, Sundays can be an altar because it is, the, it is the place where you come to meet God. It is the place that you have set apart to say, this is my time today to experience God, not just alone, but with my church family. Now, I want you to notice that it was God's idea to build the altars. He asked for altars. Why would God ask for altars? Well, let me give you three reasons. The first reason is because altars represent the place where we encounter God personally. Per Listen, it's wonderful that you come on Sundays. And I hope that as we gather, you experience the presence of God. But God doesn't want to stay at day spring. He wants to go home with you. He wants to talk to you as you're driving. He wants to talk to you as your kids are getting on your nerves. He wants to talk to you as your husband leaves his chonies again and you feel like screaming at him. He wants to talk to you when you're stressed out. He wants to talk to you when you're tempted. Altars are so that we could experience God. God personally Amen. and let me tell you there's something beautiful about experiencing God as a body but there's also something beautiful about just being alone and having God speak to you and love on you and talk to you and transform you and break you down to build you into something better Amen. so the purpose of altars the reason God asked for them was to encounter us personally but the second reason is because altars were a place of exchange there were a place where we gave God something and he gave us something in return. Altars were the place where you would take your sin and receive God's forgiveness. Altars were the place where you would take your guilt and receive God's freedom. Altars are the place where you could take your shame and receive God's joy. Altars were the place where you could take your worry and receive God's promises. Altars were the place where you could take your stress and receive God's peace they are a place of exchange where we go and we, we we give God what we have and it doesn't have to be negative we give him our worship we give him our sacrifices we give him ourselves and he always listen to me gives us something better altars are a place of exchange and the reason the enemy will keep you away from them is because he wants to keep you from God's best for you you will never leave anything at the altar that God will not replace with something better. Abraham is an example of this exchange. God gave him a promise. And he said, I'm going to bless you. And I, in fact, I'm going to bless the whole world through you. And look at what Genesis 12 verse 7 says. Then the Lord, what? Appear. A personal encounter. Appeared to Abraham and said, look at what he said. I will what? Give. give. Right? There's the exchange. I will give this land to your descendants. And what did Abraham do? And Abraham built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. The altars are the places where we can obtain God's promises for us. See, the enemy wants to keep you from the altar because he wants you to stay with your shame and your guilt and your regret. He wants you to stay captive. He wants you to stay in that dark hole. He wants you to stay miserable. But when you build altars to the Lord, he comes and he meets you there and he gives you his promises for you. The third reason that God wanted us to build altars unto him is because it is not just a place of exchange, but it is a place where he blesses us. 
The altar was a place of blessing. Here's what you got to know. Here's what you got to know. God has designated certain blessings for certain places. There are certain blessings that God has designated for marriage. So if you're living together and you're not married, you can't expect those blessings. There are certain blessings that God has designated when you walk in integrity. So if you're not being righteous and you're a crook and you're a thief, you cannot expect God's blessings for the righteous. There are certain blessings that God has designated for his home. And, and if you're at the park worshiping the Lord, there are certain blessings that, that, that you miss out because he's designated them for his home. And the same is true of the altar. There are certain blessings that God gives to us when we come to the altar. Today, I'm going to give you seven of them. In fact, during this series, we're going to look at four altars that we need to build. Today, we're going to talk about the first one. And these four altars bring blessings to our life. They are a blessing. Today, I want to begin by talking about the altar of prayer. And I want to tell you a little bit about prayer. Then I want to give you seven blessings that will be yours when you build an altar of prayer in your life. Now, listen to me. If there's a topic that Christians don't like is evangelism and prayer. I'm glad somebody said well. If you can't say amen, say ouch. But, but listen to me. You will not experience victory in your life if you don't pray. The key to our victory, the key to God's promises is prayer. And one of the reasons that, that come on, can I be honest? Can I be raw? One of the reasons many Christians don't pray is because it feels like God doesn't answer prayer. You're probably thinking, man, there's so many more prayers God hasn't answered than those he has. Well, I'm going to prove that wrong in just a minute. Hang on, hang on. Amen? But prayer is important, and we need to build altars of prayer. Now, remember, I'm not saying we need to build a physical altar. We need to have moments. We need to have places. We need to have things that we do that are symbolic of an altar. Let me share some of my altars with you. One of the things that we do as a family before we go out on vacation, before we go out on a far trip, before we take off while we're still in the car, we pray and we acknowledge God's presence. When somebody is leaving to another country or going on a far trip or they're going into a new season of their life, we pray as a family. That is an altar. I've shown this to some of you in the past, and, and if you don't have one, you got to get one. you got to get one. We have this little jar called that, that it says, count your blessings. And in it, it has these cards. And every time that God does something big in our life, we take a pen, we write down what God did and the date, and then we put it on there. And you know, when I'm feeling, when I'm feeling discouraged, I can come and say, oh my goodness, look at all the powerful blessings that God has done in my life. I don't worship this, but it reminds me of the activity of God in my life. Let me tell you four truths about prayer before I tell you the blessings that they bring. Here's the first truth. These are four biblical truths about prayer. 
The first truth that the Bible teaches about prayer is that God loves for me to talk to him. You know why prayer is so important? Because the foundation of prayer is God's love for you. You know, when you love somebody, remember, remember when you were in love and you were dating? I, I, <laughs> what's that? <laughs> right? Remember, remember when you first met and you would talk all night long about nonsense? She would tell you about her thea. You were all interested. You know, why? Because when you love somebody, you are interested in what they have to say. And God loves to hear from you. Now, here's the mistake that we make. And here's one reason many Christians don't pray. You think God only cares about spiritual things. Unless you're talking to him about going on missions or building a new ministry, God doesn't know. Listen, if your girlfriend or boyfriend broke up with you, he wants to know about it. If you're worried that you're going to get fired, he wants to talk about it. If you are concerned that Mexico is going to beat El Salvador tonight, he wants to hear about it. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I knew I was going to get in trouble today. I knew I was going to get in trouble. Listen. The first foundational truth about prayer is that God loves for us to talk to him. Talk to him. Talk to him because whatever is in your heart it matters to him because he loves you. But here's the second truth about prayer. Is that God wants prayer to be sincere and simple. I hear many people say, I don't know how to pray, Pastor. And what they mean by that is that I don't know how to do all that religious lingo. Heavenly Father, thy greatest almighty God, I come before thee on bended knees. Listen. Most of the time that we try to be religious, we don't mean most of the stuff that we say. Write this down somewhere. Please write this down somewhere. Longer is not always stronger in prayer. Longer is not always stronger. Jesus said a lot about foolish prayers, right? Or repetitive prayers. You know, we, when we say we don't know how to pray, you do know how to pray. If, if you know how to talk, you know how to pray. And God loves it when our prayer is sincere. Pray about what matters to you and when our prayer is simple. Lord, I think my parents are being unfair. And I don't think it's fair that you put them over me. I don't think they're good parents. Talk to him. He'll correct you. He'll correct you. Talk to him. You want to know something? Some of you guys think God can't handle your mess. But he can. But he can. So make your prayer sincere and simple. That doesn't mean that you pray two seconds. But make it sincere and simple. Talk to him throughout today. And by the way, I don't want to offend anybody, but I want to help you have a better conversation with God. And one of the things that many of us need to be aware of is the crutches that we have when we pray. You know what I mean by crutches? Heavenly Father, I come to you, Heavenly Father. This morning, Heavenly Father, because you're amazing, Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, thank you for my parents, Heavenly Father. Some of you don't say Heavenly Father, you say Amen. Or the worst one, in my opinion, just. Lord, I come this morning just to say thank you. 
Because, you know, just, uh, it's amazing. How would you like it if your, if, if people spoke to you that way? Like, Lorena, this morning, Lorena, I was in the car, Lorena, and uh, I was driving 55 miles an hour, Lorena. And, uh, you know, Lorena, uh, a car crossed me, crossed me, Lorena, and I got so angry. Lorena's going to be like, okay, you're talking to me. Stop saying my name. Let's have a regular conversation. Let's keep it simple. Do you want God to hear and answer your prayers? Be sincere and simple. The third truth about prayer is that God loves to show his grace by answering prayer. God loves to answer prayer. Over 20 times we are commanded in the New Testament to ask God for things. And that is called prayer. And you know why God commands us to ask him for things? Because he loves to answer prayer. God loves to answer prayer. And maybe you're thinking, well, you know, he really doesn't, Pastor. God always answers prayer. He has three answers. Yes, no, or not yet. But he always answers prayer. Now, you know why we feel that God doesn't answer prayer? Because we forget the prayers that we've asked. You know, the other day I was driving. And there's some prayers that I have before God. And I was complaining to him. I got to be honest with you. I was complaining to God. And I was kind of being childish while I was driving. Like, oh, Lord, you know, this sucks. Why are you going to answer? And Why does my dad have to be away so far? And just complaining to God. Like, when are you going to answer? The Holy Spirit said this to me. He said, you realize that there are people praying about things that I've already given you? There's somebody in the hospital praying for the health that you have. There's somebody who is single praying for a beautiful, hot, sexy wife like the one I gave you. There's a couple who has been longing to have kids and I already gave you three of them. There's somebody who wants to be in ministry and I already took you there. And see, if we just stop and realize all that we have at one time or another, we prayed about that. You know that cabezón that now gives you headaches and you're praying God change him? At one time you were praying for him and God answered that prayer. You know that job that you're complaining about now? At one time you asked God for it and he answered that prayer. God loves to answer prayer. Now, sometimes God says no or not yet to protect us, to guide us, to instruct us. But listen, there's some stuff that God wants to give you that he will not give you unless you ask for it. He's not just going to give it to you. You got to ask for it. Look at what James 4.2 says. You do not have because you do not what? What is God holding on to that he wants to give to you that he hasn't given to you because you're too lazy to pray? Number four. For truth, this is the biggest one of them all. This is the biggest one. Listen to me. This last truth will transform your life. This last truth is the one we need the most. The for truth that the Bible teaches about prayer is that God desires to be close to me. God desires to be close to you and to me. There are some parents who know 
the difficult pain of having a child that they can't talk to because of physical limitations or mental issues. Their child is just not able to talk to them. And if you're a parent and you're in that situation, you know how difficult and painful that is. Other parents know the pain of having a child that could talk to them but chooses not to talk to them. Whether they've moved away or just blocked you or want nothing to do with you, never answer your phone calls. You know the pain because you long to be able to talk to them, know how they are, let them know you love them, have communion with them. But because they won't talk to you, that waits in your heart. When we refuse to talk to God, he feels the same way for us because he loves us and longs to know us and for us to know him better. So don't do that to the one who loves you like nobody loves you, the one who longs and understands you like nobody will be able to understand you. Look at this next verse. Look at the passion of God in this verse. This is God speaking. Hosea 6.6, 6. look at what he says. I don't want your sacrifices. I want what? Your love. I don't want your offerings. I want you to what? Listen to me, church. You were not created to finish a to-do list. Your number one purpose in life is to experience and know God. And when we don't pray, we are failing at our number one purpose for leaving. Where are you going, Mimi? <laughs> I'm playing, I'm playing. <laughs> See, with your family, you can laugh. Don't miss, don't miss the number one reason God created you. He didn't create you to make a bunch of money and then die and leave it to people that are going to fight for it. He didn't create you just so that you can buy a house that once you die, somebody else will enjoy. He created you so that you could know how much he loves you and that you could experience his love. Don't miss that purpose. When we don't pray, we miss out on those wonderful, beautiful truths. So as I mentioned, we all need altars of prayer. Now, to encourage you to pray, I want to give you seven blessings that will happen in your life that you can obtain when you build an altar of prayer. Because when you build an altar of prayer, that altar of prayer will become seven things that will bless your life. Are you ready for this? Number one. When you build an altar of prayer, the altar of prayer will become a place of new opportunities. Prayer changes things. Often we try things on our flesh. We try things with our own abilities. But when we pray, new possibilities, new opportunities happen. Look at what Jeremiah 32, 27 says. This is the Lord speaking. I am the Lord, the God of all the people of the world. Here's the question. Is anything too hard for me? See, maybe you've tried to do something without praying in your own strength. 
Well, when you build an altar of prayer, God meets you there. And the question now becomes, is anything too impossible for God? The second thing, when you build an altar of prayer, that altar of prayer, of prayer will become a place of recovery will become a place of recovery. Isaiah 58, 8 says, then your light will break out like the dawn and your recovery will spring up quickly. Let me tell you, the older you get, the more you know this. Life will beat you up. Those that love you will beat you up. And you need something or someone to constantly be rejuvenating you with life, to, to take what the enemy destroys and recover. Rebuild it. And that happens when we build altars of prayer. God takes our ashes and he does something beautiful. God takes our mess and he does something glorious. God takes our impossible and he makes something possible. When we build an altar of prayer, it will become a place of recovery. The third thing is that the altar of prayer will become a place of healing. Exodus 15, 26 says, for I am the Lord who heals you. During this campaign, we're going to have a healing night. We're going to pray for God to heal. And not just, listen to me, not just physical sickness. But I believe God is going to heal from depression. God is going to heal from anxiety. God is going to heal from all those emotional and mental strongholds that have a lot of people. But we're going to have to build an altar of prayer first. See, because we, we, we think God is an Advil pill. Where we go take it. No, you got to build an altar of prayer. You got to meet him there. Read the New Testament. Every time God healed somebody, they had an encounter. There was an encounter. Fifth. Fourth, I'm sorry. The altar of prayer will become a place of peace. The reason many of us today are stressed is because we don't pray enough. You know, in prayer, we give God our stress and he gives us our peace. You know how many times on Saturdays I've come to prayer morning just broken and in need? And how many times I have left with a new vision, with a new passion, with knowing that, hey, God's got this. Because that's what prayer does. Look at what Ephesians 2.14 says. For he himself is what? Our peace. The fifth thing is that the altar of prayer will become a place of strength. Will become a place of strength. Of supernatural spiritual strength. Luke 22, 40-43. This is Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane. Before the night he was betrayed. On the night he was betrayed. Look at what it says. There he told them. Pray that you will not give into temptation. He walked away by a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then the angel from heaven appeared and what? Strengthened him. Jesus is saying, I got something big. I got something that I wish I didn't have to do. But listen, I don't want to do my will. I want to do your will. And as he was praying, God strengthened him to do what was coming next. Some of you, you're in a season where you need supernatural strength. And the only way you're going to get that is by building an altar of prayer. You can be spirit-led or you can be self-led. Number six. The altar of prayer will become a place of joy. 
will become a place of joy. Nehemiah 8.10 says, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And you know the beautiful thing about joy? Joy, joy, you can have joy. Joy comes from God. The beautiful thing about joy is that it doesn't have to be going all right around you for you to have joy. You know, you can have joy even in a miserable work environment. You know, you can have joy even in a time of greatest need. Because joy is the gift that God gives to his people. Number seven, the altar of prayer will become a place of freedom. Second Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? There is freedom. You may need freedom from certain thinking, from certain events, from certain behaviors. And as we pray, God is going to heal you. And you may be wondering, Pastor, how do I know if I need healing? Well, here's how you know. If you keep making the same dumb thing over and over and over and you don't want to do it, guess what? You need freedom. I don't want to be a chismoso, but I just can't stop. You need freedom. I don't want to keep throwing my money away, but I just don't know how to stop. You need freedom. And listen, you'll find your freedom when you build an altar because God will meet you there. And where the spirit is, there is freedom. I want you to write this down. I want you to write this down. Okay, here's a quote for you this week. The closer I am to God, the less stress and the more blessed I'll be. The closer I am to God, the less stressed and the more blessed I'll be. I want to be blessed. Anybody else want to be blessed with me? I don't want to be stressed. I want to be blessed. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare Him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart, and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but He didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you and now you have a new life in him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Day Spring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.